Good morning, everybody. Um, so, as I said, uh, my name's Bryony. Um, I'm part of the church family here. I'm married to Rich, and we have three children. Uh, we've been part of uh, this church for about 16 years now, and um, it's lovely to see so many guests and visitors today joining us. And you've kind of joined us in the middle of a sermon series called Family Values. And we've been going through what it means to be part of this church. What does STC mean? Like, What are the values that we want to hold at the center of our church? And so we've been looking at things like hospitality, healthy relationships, worship, humility, and then Alan spoke on breaking bread last week. And what we're not saying is that as a church, we get all these things right all the time. We definitely don't. But these are the things that we're aiming for, that we're trying to hold at the center um, of our community. So this week, we're going to be looking at what it means for prayer to be the foundation of our life together. Now, prayer is a huge topic, and I'm not going to try and cover it all extensively in only 20 minutes. Um, and if you were around before Christmas, um, Nikkei um, from the Baptist Union came and spoke to us and did a fantastic, really practical sermon about prayer. So I would recommend downloading that if you missed it. But today, what I want to do is to explore what does it mean to find life and hope in a relationship with Jesus. Because prayer is just the fuel for that. It's the fuel for our relationship with Jesus. It's what keeps us connected to God and undistracted from other things. So that's the kind of direction that I want to take us in today. And I really want to ask the question, like, why bother really with prayer? Why bother cultivating a relationship with God? So I'm going to speak for about 20 minutes and then we're going to finish our gathering um, in worship again. But I want to start by asking you a question. Where do you go for wisdom and advice? Where do you go for wisdom and advice? I'd love for you just to turn to the people next to you and just share that. Where do you go? If you need some good wisdom, you need some good advice, where do you go? Go on quickly, 30 seconds, just share with your neighbour. Where do you go? Fantastic. There was a lot of chat then. That's a good sign. I'm going to draw you back. Um, well, if you were sat next to your partner and you didn't say them, I'm just going to leave that out there for you to discuss over Sunday lunch. Um, I imagine there was lots of different answers from all the noise going on in the room. I think there was a lot of answers there. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was your spouse, uh, a best friend, your boss. Maybe it was the Facebook group that you're part of or an Instagram expert. Maybe it was an actual expert like a doctor or a financial advisor. Maybe just good old Google. Well, I went to Reader's Digest and um, I've got some advice for us from children this morning. So are you ready? Like, remember these things. These are going to serve you well. Never trust a dog to watch your food. You can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. Never tell your mum her diet's not working. When your mum is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. Never allow your three-year-old brother in the same room as your school assignment. That was from Tracy, age 14. Never hold a hoover and a cat at the same time. Felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. Don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. I mean, fairly obvious, but anyway. When you get a bad grade in school, show it to your mum while she's on the phone. 
That's genius, isn't it? It's genius. And the last one, which feels topical for today, is never try to baptise a cat. So there we go. There's some advice. But where we go to for advice really matters, doesn't it? Having wise people in your life is so valuable. And many of us will probably know the bitter experience of not getting good advice. And everybody who just, the kind of horde of people that just stood up here on the stage have made promises to these four children that as they grow up, the parents and the godparents have said they're going to support these children. And hopefully that will include being the people that they can turn to for wisdom and for advice. And today we're going to be looking at a passage from Psalm 1. The Psalms are songs and poems um, written by King David of, of David and Goliath fame and a few others. And in this Psalm, David, we think, is kind of riffing on this whole idea of where we find and don't find good wisdom. So the passage is going to be up on the screen and I'm going to read it to us now. So Psalm 1, 1 to 4. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instructions and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a, a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit in its season and its leaves do not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So this psalm is presenting two options of ways to live, two places we can go to for wisdom and advice that we need, and then the outcomes of following either of these rules. It starts with a challenge to think about who we are listening to. We're told that we'll be happy, and many translations use the word blessed, if we don't, and I'm going to get, can we go back to the very first bit of that, the passage? Fantastic. If we don't, walk in the advice of the wicked. So this is just listening to the advice of unwise people, of people who do not have our best interests at heart, or stand in the pathway with sinners, you know, to follow along with people who we know are not living the lives that we want to lead, to be led astray by people, or to sit in the company of mockers. You know, this is saying that we're not to, be, not to find a seat at the table, a place of belonging among those who are not honouring and kind, people with integrity. It's those cynics that we know who find the negative in every situation. So these verses are saying that we are happy, we are blessed if we don't seek advice from those kind of sources. And then the psalmist hits us with this great word, instead, and we know that he's going to paint a picture of something better, a different way to live. So instead of listening to those unhelpful voices, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instructions and he meditates on it day and night. This blessed person finds delight and joy and goodness in God's instructions that we find in the Bible. And because he is finding delight and joy in knowing God, he is meditating on those words. Now, when we hear the word meditate, sat in Sheffield in 2023, a whole load of things come to mind, don't they? Like meditation is really big business now. And meditation is no longer the reserve of kind of monastic communities and the super spiritual. If you type meditation into the app store, you will find hundreds of apps helping you to meditate. 
Meditation is promoted as a self-help tool and a mental health aid, and it definitely is all those things. It is. But there's a difference here to what our culture sees as the aim of meditation and what the Bible means when it talks about meditation and what the aim of biblical meditation is. Because in Eastern meditation, which is where many of our secular kind of meditative practices come from, the aim of meditation is an emptying of the mind, of a stilling of the mind, of a clearing of the mind. But when the Bible talks about meditation, that kind of meditation is a filling of the mind. The kind of meditation is this mulling over, a thinking about God's words in the Bible, applying them to ourselves and then pouring them back to God in prayer. It's prayer that becomes this kind of two-way conversation of listening to God and talking back to him. And it becomes this cycle that the more that we wrestle with the Bible and pray and connect with our Heavenly Father, the more we want to hear from him the more we delight in that relationship. And so this cycle continues. And the writer of that psalm goes on to say that when we have this kind of joyful, prayerful relationship with God, he says we become like a tree that has three things going for it. Firstly, it's planted beside flowing streams. It's getting everything that it needs. It's hydrated, it's planted, it's strong, it's not thirsty. When our foundation is a relationship with God, it gives us this strength and stability that nothing else can. I love that it says it's a flowing stream because you kind of get this picture, don't you, that the the water is in constant supply. And I think there's something there, isn't there, about just God's extravagance, that there is always enough of God to go round. Another attribute of the Psalm 1 tree is that it bears fruit in its season. This tree is fruitful. And if we cultivate our relationship with God, we will see the fruit of that. We will see changes in ourselves and in the situations around us. However, this tree only has fruit in season. This means that we shouldn't be too discouraged if we can't see the fruit yet. If we're longing for the fruit of our prayers and our hopes and it's just not happened I read in one commentary this week that there are no barren trees in God's orchard, though they may have fits of barrenness. There are no barren trees in God's orchard, though they may have fits of barrenness. Sometimes we have to wait a long time to see the fruit of walking with God. But this image of a tree giving fruit in season is a reminder that there will be fruit A couple of years ago, um, as a family, we were in a situation where we were just waiting for God to bring breakthrough. And I found um, the worship song Seasons really helpful. And there's a line in that song which says, Though my waiting prolongs even greater, your promise for me like a seed, I believe that my season will come. There's always fruit from a relationship with Jesus. And this tree finally also has leaves that do not wither. Because withered leaves are a sign of death. Now, in our house, I don't know about you, you maybe are more successful at this than us, but we have a real success rate in killing the most resilient of houseplants. There are dead houseplants littering our windowsills at the moment. And every time I see that yellow leaf appearing, I know that I have probably neglected that plant. But the Psalm 1 tree doesn't have that problem. 
It doesn't wither. Its leaves don't die. Investing in our relationship with Jesus brings life, even in hard seasons. Knowing Jesus as our saviour, as our friend, as our comforter, as our rescuer, will mean that we show signs of life to others around us. And our vision as a church is to be a church for the city, to love this amazing city of Sheffield. We want to be a church that shows signs of life to people who really need to know that they're loved in this city. And then the writer of Psalm 1 kind of wraps up this whole picture of this beautiful tree by saying the person who lives like this, who lives in a deep relationship with God, the person who chooses to find wisdom in a relationship with Jesus, prospers. Whatever he does, prospers. What this isn't saying is that the life of a Christian is easy or everything will go the way we want it to go or even well. But it is saying that God brings forth good and wonderful, unexpected things out of everything, even the hard stuff, if we let him and we look for it. So God, through this part of the Bible, is showing us that there are two ways that we can choose to live. We can look for wisdom and life in God, or we can go searching for it in other places. And if we want to look for it, in God. That means investing in our relationship with him through reading his words in the Bible and praying, you know, just talking it over with him. And the more we do this, the more we gain wisdom that comes from like knowing God because of that spending just hours at his feet listening. I met my husband um, 20 years ago this year. And I know I don't look I don't look old enough at all, do I? I met him when I was six, not but anyway, I met him 20 years ago, and since that fateful day on a really grim train station in Salford, I have slowly got to know him better, got to understand him. Over the past year, um, we have made and we're still making some really big decisions about our life and our kids and our work. And in the beginning of our relationship, some of those decisions would have been really hard because we hadn't learned how to listen to each other, how to understand each other well. And this year, I can really see the fruit of hundreds and hundreds of hours of decision-making together. And I feel like we approach things now from a position of really getting and understanding each other. Or at least the arguments are like slightly shorter these days than they were <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> um, and we've had plenty of conflict, but that has helped us to understand each other. And our relationship with God goes deep when we give it time, when we wrestle with our questions and our doubts with him. And the journey can sometimes involve frustration, and God is okay with that. God is committed to us for the long term. He wants to talk to us. He's not looking for perfection. He's actually just pursuing relationship with us. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like that tree that I've just described. I want to be excited by God's word and his love for me. I want to be strong and stable. I want to have signs of life. But if I'm honest, a lot of the time I'm not. I feel like the opposite of that. I feel blown about. I feel weak. I feel inadequate. I actually struggle quite a lot to pray. And right now the world just feels pretty noisy, doesn't it? I mean, we don't have to watch BBC News for very long to feel a little bit overwhelmed. Everywhere we turn, there seems like opportunities to feel anxious and blown about. Whether it's the cost of living crisis, NHS waiting lists, strikes, it can feel like a lot. And when we feel overwhelmed, 
We want to seek advice, don't we? We want quick fixes. We want to know how we can beat the system. And so we find ourselves listening to friends, to politicians, to social media influencers, to Martin Lewis, maybe. And it can get noisy really quickly. And some of those voices might give us great advice. And I'm not saying ignore wise voices. But I think if the last three years have taught us anything, it's that there is a restlessness in our souls that won't be satisfied by knowing that we chose the right energy provider, that we picked the right school for our kids or that we made the right decision about a vaccination. I believe that that restlessness in our souls can only be met in Jesus, can only be resolved in Jesus. So when I'm struggling to pray or I ask everyone for advice about a situation before I turn to my heavenly father, I know it's okay. Because the truth is that Jesus is the strong and stable tree. He is the one I can cling to when life gets tough. We don't have to come to him perfect or all sorted. He can handle all of our doubts and all of our questions. And there's an invitation today to come to Jesus. That through prayer, through reading his words in the Bible, we get to know him better. Or there's an invitation to get to know him from the start. You know, we have all, as a church this morning, made promises to help these four children to know Jesus. And we've all said we're going to pray for them. And I wonder if, in light of that, today's a good day to ask the question, how is my relationship with Jesus? Am I giving him the chance to speak to me, to guide me? You know, all the things that we just prayed for these amazing kids, are, that's, all of that is open to us as well. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally, but you sense that restlessness in you, you know that you've been looking for wisdom or hope in lots of places, but nothing seems to have quite hit the mark, then I would love to say today that Jesus wants to be on a journey with you. He wants to be that incredible source of life and joy and peace. And if you've been a Christian for a while, then maybe today is a moment to check in and ask God whether his voice is the loudest or have other voices crept in. I know I've been challenged as I've read this passage this week to think about situations that even in the last few days or weeks where I've talked to lots of people or let's face it, you know, Googled some stuff before I've prayed, before I've gone to my heavenly father. This psalm just so gently, gently brings us back to Jesus. It reminds us of the life that can be found in him. So today um, we're going to worship and we're going to pray for a deepening of our relationship with him. Whether we've been walking with Jesus for 40 years or whether we don't even know if we're walking with him yet, we're going to invite him to be in this place, to remind us that he cares, that he wants to be on the journey with us and that he has things to say to each of us this morning.